Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and today I'm thrilled to have Tessa Afshar. Tessa has such a unique background. She was born in the Middle East, but spent her teen years in England and then moved to the United States. She has a Master's of Divinity from Yale. But what I find most fascinating is that she is an author writing historical fiction. She wrote In the Field of Grace, a biblical fiction on the life of Ruth and an award-winning Bible study, not fiction, on the book of Ruth called The Way Home. Ruth has been studied and talked about quite a bit. And so, Tessa, first of all, welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. What an honor to be with you, Trillia. I'm so grateful. So let's just jump right in. 10 minutes is not a long time. What about the culture or the history of the time might help us better understand the book of Ruth? Trillia, the events of the book of Ruth take place toward the end of the period of Judges. And if you read the book of Judges, you'll find that it's kind of a downer. It's a hard book to read because the people of God are cyclically failing. And not only are the people of God failing, but also the um, the judges themselves are not doing so well. The religious leaders are not doing so well. And so you look at this time period and it feels almost like the, the misery of God's people is overwhelming. They are sabotaging the new life that God has given them in the promised land. They are squandering the blessings that God has poured upon them. And on top of that, God has told them not only that he would bless them, but also that they would be a blessing to all the nations. And by walking away from God in this cyclical fashion, they are essentially also losing the ability to bless others. So they are what's happening is that they are wasting their lives. And in that way, you you look at the book of uh, Judges, the period of Judges, and you realize this is a very difficult period. No one is walking with God. Everyone is doing as they please. And so uh, during this time of utter failure, to, and, and the further you get into the period of Judges, the worse it gets. So really, I think the events of the book of Ruth probably take place during the time of Samson or around the time of Samson. We know this because, of course, Ruth and Boaz are the great-grandparents of David. So that gives us a good idea of the time period. And so the closer we get to this end of the period of Judges, the worse things are becoming. But this is what's really beautiful, that these three people, Boaz, Ruth, and eventually, Naomi are living lives that are pure. They are living lives that are given to God. Can I give you an example, Trillia? Oh, yes, absolutely. And But even before you give an example about their lives that are lived well, I'd like to, to think about the context of Ruth also in their differences, in their cultural differences, and Naomi and Ruth and... Um, what, what's going on there as people are reading the book? Is, is there anything that you, that, that you highlight as you're thinking of um, a, 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 for the person reading and they're thinking of the relationship, for instance, of Ruth and Naomi and, um, and even Boaz? Is there anything that stands out to you? 
Well, as you probably know, Ruth herself is a Moabite. She's not from Israel. She belongs to the people of Moab. And we read in the Bible, we're told that the people of Moab will not belong to the congregation of the people of God, even to the 10th generation. So how is it that not only does Ruth come to belong to Israel, but her great-grandson becomes the greatest king that Israel has ever known, David. And even beyond that, it is her progeny that God uses in, in terms of like his own son being born in the family of Ruth herself. So some of Ruth's DNA, this Moabite, is swimming in Jesus' bloodlines. So you recognize that there's something about Ruth right there that's different. But you also recognize that there's something about Boaz that's different because he lives in this generation um, that is failing God. And yet the first time we meet Boaz, uh, the first word out of his mouth is blessing. He's blessing in the name of the Lord. So we know that he's not a man of his generation. He's a man of God. And I think this, the combination of these people, so Ruth herself is very special. There's a word that's used of her in Hebrew several times in the book of Ruth. It's, um, the, the Hebrew word is dabak, and sometimes that's translated as cling. Uh, but really, when you study it in the Old Testament in a deeper fashion, what it means is keeping close or a deep attachment, like following near, not allowing any distance to come between, a holding fast, and knitting together of two. So it's even used in the context of marriage. But God repeatedly tells his people, you have to dabak to me. In other words, you have to learn in your spirit, in your soul, to form a deep attachment to me and not allow anything to come between us. And in the period of Judges, what we see in the people is that they're unable to do this. They, they cannot dabak. Even Samson, who's a judge, and other judges, what we see is that they're not really able to dabak. But Ruth has this quality. Ruth has this ability to form a healthy, deep attachment. And that we see in the context of our relationship with Naomi. And obviously that means God is highlighting that in the word. And that means that Ruth in her relationship with God is also able to show us how to do this deep attachment. Can you give us something practical? <clears throat> how would you practically, you know, thinking about the, the life of Ruth, practically apply that, that attachment? So in the life of Ruth, we see her show this attachment to Naomi herself. Naomi's going through a very difficult time. She's blaming God for the loss of, not only is she a widow, but now she's lost two sons. I cannot even begin to imagine the depth of that sorrow. And God does not in any way um, turn to Naomi and tell her, don't call me these things. Because Naomi, Naomi speaks of God as being cruel, as, as uh, sort of being the one responsible for her misery, essentially. She's seeing God through a veil of offense. 
And God does not take offense at Naomi's offense, if you know what I mean. But rather, he shows her utter kindness. And, and so Naomi is difficult to be with at, at this time. She's negative. She's unable to rise up and protect Ruth. Uh, we see at the beginning when they arrive in Israel, it's Ruth who's making all the suggestions. And, and Naomi is just sort of, saying, yeah, okay, whatever, even though they don't really have a way to provide for themselves. Ruth is the one who's saying, how about if I go gleaning? Even though this is a foreign nation to her, she's the one who finds ways to support them. So she's difficult to be with. She's negative. Her very name, she changes to Mara, which means bitterness. So she's become bitter. And you know, if in your life you've been living with someone who's become bitter, it's not easy day to day to do that. And yet Ruth, in that deep attachment, in that healthy holding fast, remains by Naomi's side, doesn't reject her, even though she has every reason. Her sister-in-law, Naomi herself says, leave me, go find yourself a husband. I cannot take care of you. Her, uh, her sister-in-law does that very thing. But Ruth refuses. Ruth stays with Naomi. And, uh, and that's one of the ways that we see Ruth practically showing this ability to love rightly. You know, it's so... We, there's, we haven't even scratched the surface of the book. <laughs> and one of the things that I love about the Word of God is that there's every time you read it, you learn something new. Or there's the possibility of learning something new. And and so I just encourage those who are, maybe they have never thought of it this way, about the attachment and how how that relate, how um, Ruth related to Naomi and how we can relate to the Lord, et cetera. I just say, go and read and study, study God's word, read the book of Ruth and see what God is going to illuminate to your heart and mind. I, I, I think so often we think of it just as the love story between Ruth and Boaz, but there's a story of redemption. There's, um, you see God who is impartial, God using people who are broken. There's lots of redemption in Naomi's life that we didn't even touch. And so the Lord is good and gracious and awesome in so many different ways. And so if there's one thing, one thing that you hope people will take away from this, tell me that one thing, and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for that one thing for the people who are listening. Well, given just the context of our own lives and uh, the similarities between the world that we live in today and the world that Boaz and Ruth and Naomi lived in. You know, they, they lived in a world that was politically, economically, mor morally, in terms of their faith, it was all failing. And you read that book and you think to yourself, this world is going to fall apart. And yet they are right before the release of the best time, the greatest time in the, in the life of Israel, a time of freedom and a, a, a time when faith really grows and a time of beauty. And I, I think that this is a book about how our choices matter and that it's a hope that it imparts in the midst of these difficulties and failings that our choices can bring in a light in the midst of this dark world. Well, let me pray to that end. God, you are awesome and holy and just and glorious in every way, Lord. And you invite us to a throne of grace where we receive mercy 
and help in a time of need. And, and Tessa's right, Lord, this is a time of need. There's destruction and confusion all around us, Lord. We need you. We need you every hour. God, we need you. We need hope for today. Um, we need mercy for today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with hope, remind our hearts of your redeeming power, God, that you have the power to save, to redeem, to use broken vessels for your glory and for the good of those around us. So God, we pray that we would cling to you, God, that we would draw near to you, that we would um, have a closeness in relationship to you and that ultimately, Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives. God, that we would make right choices, God, that bring you glory. So Lord, I pray that you would um, do only what you can do in our world, um, wherever wherever we are, where, whatever nation we're in. God, um, you have the power to, to change lives, God, and to make the, what's wrong right. So God, as we wait, Lord, for you to make all things new, we hope in you and we submit this to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Tessa, thank you so much.